0: O-U-T-D-O-O-R, and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether, and Fully Loaded Chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com.
1: Check out Dogs Are Treat at DogsAreTreat.com, and if you go to their website at checkout and enter the code hxp 20 percent off. You will get 20% off of your entire order on all of their branded products. Leashes, tieouts, medical kits, paws are protected. Build your pack from the ground up and support a fellow houndsman that supports your lifestyle. Enter the code HXP 20% off at checkout. Go to their website today at dogsartree.com. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Uniting houndsmen across the globe, from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth so how many days how many days a week do you spend
2: as much as i can to be honest with you anytime that i get i'm i'm out there
1: join us for every heart-pounding adventure on houndsman
3: xp i'll tell you like i tell everyone else i'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not so you might as well be here
1: Buckle up and hang on for this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast. The Houndsman XP crew got together in a little discussion about things that Houndsmen talk about. So we talk about everything from uh, you know breeding hounds genetics, talk about nature versus nurture. We're talking about crossovers into other livestock breeding, and Shorty Shorty gets into cloning some of the best bucking bulls in the world and then we bring that back around to how that affects our breeding programs with our hounds and and why hounds don't turn out i mean this is just a a great conversation we talk a little bit about lauren's most recent adventure and she's not afraid to hook up that camper and load those hounds and go get after it and uh Guys, I just want to thank every one of you for your engagement the last couple of weeks. We've been getting messages and, and um, emails and all kinds of interaction from you. So, we appreciate it. Really, we do. I want to remind everyone, if you have not done so already, then you need to register for the Crowdcast event which is going to be tomorrow evening at 8 p.m. And we're going to talk about dog food nutrition. We're going to talk about how to select a dog food. We're going to talk about what the uh, government requires to be on dog food labels and also how you can look at a label and decide what's really in there. We're going to talk about how your proteins uh, interact with with your fats and where your carbohydrates come from, I think it's going to be great. It's a, Crowdcast is a, a platform that allows you to be live in this seminar, so it is going to be like an online seminar with a guest. And anybody that's already been there for one of our Crowdcast events, they love them. They get to ask questions. Um, a lot of times we'll bring the guest on or the, the one of our uh, attendees on to ask questions directly to the expert guest. So uh, live on camera. So it's a video conference. You can find it on our social media group on Facebook, Houndsman XP Podcast Group. Find the announcement. It's right at the top go through and hit the link follow the instructions and you can attend this we've had great success with trainers and and things like that and we're going to keep bringing you this bonus material for uh, the greatest lifestyle in the world hunting with hounds guys we're going to jump right into this i really appreciate you tuning in and spending your time with us that old south dog box man that it's well made but we've got such a hot strike here hard strike, it's a box shaker as my buddy Larry Anderson would say but man that thing, I'm, I'm afraid it's going to blow up if we don't get the doors open on the old South Dog box so it is time to dump the box Southern Hound Hunting Magazine is the most comprehensive magazine that represents your lifestyle as a houndsman if you can hunt it with a hound it is being covered in the pages of Southern Hound Hunting Magazine You also get an in-depth look at the men and women who are engaged in this lifestyle, living it every day to the fullest, from the Rocky Mountains to the Southern swamps and across the ocean with articles about our international houndsmen and what they're chasing across the pond. Go to southernhoundhunting.com, get your subscription for $15 a year. Southern Hound Hunting Magazine, promoting the fair chase experience. Like with uh, we got we got almost the whole crew except for uh, Mister Coondog. What do you want? What did Josh want to be introduced as from now on? Well, we
2: can't say that word. But
1: oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> something one of those. about Big Show. Big Show something. But uh, Josh Michaelis is the only one that's Michaelis. missing. Michaelis. Yes, we have we have Shorty. We have you've heard Lauren already, and of course Seth coming at us live from new mexico and this is a point blank so how's it going guys
2: we'll see how point blank it gets it might just be you know whatever's going on in the backfield <laughs> what was being spread on my yard today
3: <laughs> Manure. Yeah, the, the pre-show was yeah. terrible yeah
1: <laughs> the pre-show was pretty good and it's too bad we couldn't air that part so
3: or, or i guess we would, we would call it the green room that was definitely oh, yeah, yeah. the pre-party yeah. yeah
4: the pre party
2: like we'll just put it this way like we know how to have fun um and talk about stuff that really makes us laugh
1: <laughs> yep yep for sure well there's a lot of cool stuff going on at houndsman xp we just uh we just launched the uh, uh the truth about coon honey and uh that's getting some rave reviews and uh rightfully you so yeah, I th- I think that's um uh, that's going to be a good addition on Thursdays for Houndsman XP, and uh, yeah, what do you guys think about that?
2: I I liked, I it. liked it. Yeah, I like listening to it. I mean, like he said, like we kind of all get our start in the same way. I mean, I wasn't packed around in my grandpa's backpack or on his shoulders or anything like that. Um, but we kind of just have a similar story and just like the way we get into it and how it hooks us by the lip and doesn't release us at all. Um, and uh, hearing people's stories and what success means and how you get successful and then kind of dispelling that, those myths.
1: Yeah. Shorty, do
2: you That's have something? Stuff.
3: Yeah. I, I, you know, it's interesting to me because I've never in my life been to any kind of competition with a hound, uh, not a field trial, coon hunt, coyote hunting nothing um so that that part of it's intriguing to me and and tying the things together that uh what we look for in western big game hounds and and what they look for in coon hounds and the, you know I, I think we're all as people we're all like-minded like like lifestyle people so it's an easy connection and, uh, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it so far. I, th- I thought it was great. I, I'm interested to see where it goes and, and looking forward to it.
4: Yeah, Seth, what do you think? I figure if I just listen long enough, I can get my dumb dogs to tree something. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we talked a little bit about instinct there. <laughs>
4: <laughs> they are just they just won't do it, and it's bothering me. I've, I've tried the whole thing. I'm listening. I'm going to listen for good training tips. See, They treed a lizard the other day. But they just walked off. So Did they they
2: tree a lizard or did they bush a lizard?
4: They bushed a lizard, yeah. (laughs) There's there's no trees. But yeah, I mean, I'm super excited. A, I think uh, it's it's kind of content that I think the majority of our listeners can find appealing in so many ways, like Shorty was saying. I mean, even a guy like me, who I've never treed an animal before, the concepts and the ideas of what we're breeding for in these ultra-high-end competition animals – or something that translates to all of us. Not to mention, like I'm with Shorty. I've only been to one, two competitions, and uh, I mean, I just think it's a whole other world. That, frankly, as an outsider, I just enjoy listening to that whole. It's it's amazing to me. That, 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 just, a, you yeah. just
1: knocked down a good episode with John Rutter with the New Mexico Houndsman Association.
4: Yeah, I'm right. actually going to be hunting with him next week, so stay tuned for some more of that. What um, are you guys going to be hunting? Raccoons he um he treed twenty seven last night, so Ooh, um, last he, night, yeah, and are you so, sure
2: he's hunting in New Mexico and not like Michigan yeah. or
4: so Lauren it's funny because like when you came over i I'd really just kind of peeked through that door to try to get into that world, and now i I kind of hit it full bore, and uh, when you return, it's gonna be a whole different game and and when well, you see those bosque forests, you're gonna be like blown away, they are insane and you guys will have, have your tires
1: slashed for going up there and and uh, poaching john rudder's hunting area lauren
4: i will be with him because i okay, can't cool. navigate that place without him <laughs> it is insane <laughs> in there I, I i'm pretty good navigator and i'm absolutely lost in there you go in there and it is just like oh my gosh it is so thick and i was so turned around in there and, and i was pretty embarrassed about that honestly but yeah he he um he had he sent a picture he had five in one tree So they, he's going hard. Yeah. Yeah. Which is
2: cool. Yeah. And honestly, like when I was there, it was too cold for you to camp, even if we did drive the three hours there, you know? So it just would have been kind of logistically difficult.
4: I think it's funny that you think it's too cold to camp and you live in the Midwest. Like in in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah, it no, was like
2: 35 no, like, at night. Like, like me being in my camper, I would have been fine. But like, you cannot sleep in my camper with me. That thing's too small. I, I, like, I can't camp
4: do that. for a living. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fine.
1: Yeah, Ridge, Ridge, <laughs> and Piper <laughs> and Timber and River are not going to let they they don't have enough room for you in there, Seth. Oh, no. oh yeah.
3: in, <laughs> Lauren, I can tell you, you just got to don't worry about the biologist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they will be fine
2: Oh man, I've got okay. Yeah, that's tr- I mean, knowing Seth, yeah, he'll be fine He's just a little skinny, you need to put a little fat on him That's, true. Um, that's yeah.
3: my, Like my he my said, it's what they that. do
2: <laughs> um, I've got six dogs at my house now It used to be five <laughs> So like I told my co like oh, Did
1: you get rid of that damn red dog?
2: Oh, I still got that damn red dog <laughs> He's he's. He's going home in October, uh, hopefully. Um, but is that I his just... name? I
1: think so. <laughs> I think that's his... that dog's name.
3: Damn.
2: <laughs> his name is Boost, like, um, like B O O S T. Gotcha. Yeah. He's eleven, you know, and he tries his little heart out, and he, it's fine. Um, but I just got a dog delivered yesterday, so I just added another female blue chick. Dang She's you.
3: You're going to have to get a bigger trailer.
2: Yeah. How are you going to get all those
4: dogs at my property, man? Tie like, <laughs> <laughs> Tiles.
2: Tiles. Yeah, I mean,
4: my neighbors are going to hate you over there. <laughs> yeah, so... I was I was hanging out with my buddy, and uh, we were talking about this. I, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to start with Shorty. Well, I guess Shorty would be the only one who could answer this, and then Chris maybe later, but uh, we were talking about breeding one bitch to two different males. Have you ever done mm-hmm. that, Shorty? Uh,
2: accidentally. Yes. <laughs> like for one breeding, not like, like each right. different cycle. So, Is that what
4: so, you're talking about? Yeah, so like we, we were thinking about having like a purebred Saluki, and you put a purebred Saluki over her, and also Pronto. So he's right. uh, like eighty percent Greyhound. So you would take because uh, we want some of both, right? And we're just we're just spitballing. This is not something I'm actually going to do probably, but like, have you ever done that? And did it work so, out?
3: So um, so you're not going to get a mix. Like you're going to get
1: yeah yeah part yeah. of the,
3: part of the litter out of these these yeah. dogs because <laughs> and and for for the listeners' sake, the way it was explained explained to me by. Uh, my vet who's a expert at uh, ai and dogs um is it comes in waves so you have a one wave coming like of eggs that are in heat you have another wave of eggs that are going out of heat and then another that are coming in and it's just it goes like that for seven days and so you can wow. have up to three fathers in in one litter they're there's not going to be a mix, but yeah, I, I actually have on accident had that happen. And, uh, you know, um, be honest with you. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, you could do it. You, it'd be interesting to see, but usually when I go to breed one, like I already know that I want to breed this chip to this male Mm. and, and I know the reasons why and, and whatever. So I don't, And and the other thing is you don't know how many is going to be out of this male, how many are going to be out of that male. And and then the only way to tell is to go and DNA the puppies to find out what the dad is. So that's another added expense. But, but yeah, it could be done. Mm, I've never done it intentionally.
4: (laughs) I wonder, yeah, I was just under spitballing and I was like.
2: Like, yeah. I don't think it's a bad idea, Seth, because I know, like, kind of what you're thinking of, like, originally what you were thinking of going with, with your breeding pro- program, and now what you've thought, like, in the last six, eight months. And you kind of, yeah, I understand why you're thinking that.
3: Well, and, two like, you can, you know, for me, like, an ideal litter would be, like, because I keep them all, an ideal litter would be, like, three or four. And so yeah. if you had three or four from, from one male and three or four from another male, it'd be super cool. Because you could then you could see, like, okay, they're both the same age. They've both been raised the same, exactly the same. They've been hunted the same, everything. Like, what, what excels and what doesn't? Okay. And That's this, what gets me, this
2: gets me, like, totally thinking. Because I think three three days ago or four days ago, because I, I want to breed Piper. I'm getting her hips OFA checked just because that's something that I'm going to do. Don't hate. Um, and I was like, man, you know, this whole like big game blue tick breeding or she's competition bred. Maybe we should try that. <laughs> what? Um, I was talking okay. to Chris. Um, and I'm like, okay, what if I had her bred then by two studs and had one big game and one competition? Or just not breed her at all. I don't know. Just breed
1: her to a high-performance, game-crazy, high-drive type dog, and you can have both. Yeah. You really can. Now the same siren. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's yep. kind of where this whole truth thing is going. And We got way sidetracked we on that. We got sidetracked, but, yeah. But, um, man, I'll tell you what. It didn't – I I believe, and I've I messed drive. with – I've, it's all about drive. It's all about prey drive, except if you're chasing a jackrabbit and then you need speed, but you got to have drive and speed. And I, there's a lot of other things you need to, but, but, um, very simple in general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But shorty, you, you made, you made a really good, you made a good point, you know, and I've said this for a long time that if somebody's going to really have a breeding program, you need to keep them all yep. and you need and you need to look at how all of them are turning out and then call accordingly or exactly. you know cross back in a breeder is thinking three three crosses ahead you know you don't yep. think about today you think right. about okay i'm gonna breed, make this cross but what am i going to do with those pups and then what am i going to do with those offspring and what am i taking them back to a
3: hundred percent yeah a hundred percent and if and if you to me if you you know, if you spread these dogs out, it, unless you have a good network, it, and and I think that's why um, I've got a good partner in California. He hunts the same way as I do. He hunts as hard as I do. He calls as hard as I do. And we'll trade some puppies. And he's he's got some blood I want. I got some blood he wants. So it's been a good relationship. But other than that, like, I keep them all because I want to be able to compare them to their litter mates. And yep. – and, if i spread them out this guy hunts one day a week this guy hunts three days a week i'm hunting five or six days a week that it's not a fair comparison across the board and so if i can compare them all the same and they're all hunted really hard they are raised the same then i can cull accordingly and know where the litter is by the by what the top dogs of that litter are doing and and That's why I think it's so important to keep them on. And it's not a greed thing. It's just, it's just, I, I want to know.
1: Okay. So I got a question for you. So when you get to that point where, you know, all of them need to be hunted, how do you choose which ones you take?
3: I take every one. But if you've got, why I I hunt a lot of dogs.
1: Yeah. But you don't take, you don't haul 20.
3: Oh, I do sometimes. Yeah. When I have, when I have that many, uh, when I have that many pups that need to be hunted, they they go they go on the truck. I will start like so usually I'll hunt 14 15 dogs. Um and then that's kind of my typical number. And then when I have puppies coming aboard, I'll put dog boxes on top of my dog box and I'll start I'll I'll start with one and I'll get that dog 2 or 3 days where it knows kind of to stay with the truck. da 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 add another add another and and within two weeks i have the whole litter hunt with them and i i hunt them all every day i just i i just i feel like they can't learn anything from home and
1: and every race
3: they miss is one that sets them back
4: so you see a lot of that go ahead ahead, Seth. seth Uh, you see a lot of that in the sidehound community where like people get very anal about how many dogs you'll run after a hare. And to me, like when you're running pups, I don't really care how many are in the race. It, it's more about when you get that many dogs in a chase that high intensity, you're going to get injured animals a little easier, but I'm with shorty. I mean, I don't have a single problem running a bunch of pups with some adults. Those pups aren't going to do anything in the race for a jackrabbit. They're just going to watch and learn. So I don't got a problem throwing four or five pups out. To, to, with two or three seasoned adults to really like learn I mean I've never done it, but I don't have a problem at all I, I think it's super important they don't learn anything in the dog box they don't learn anything in the house i I totally agree
1: have you ever have you ever seen the studies on um the visual learning and canines how important visual learning is for them Mm-mm. yeah so like one of the studies and I know like wolves are the devil and And everything, but you know, one of the things that the uh, doctor, doctor Geis, Levarius Geis, talks about the ability of a wolf to learn visually. If if a wolf will sit back and watch you manipulate the latch on a gate, they will figure out how to manipulate the latch on the gate, and they will. Put their pups up on, like if you go to the Alaska tundra, the scientists have watched them. You know the 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 pack put the the young up on the ridge while the the, the adult pack hunts the caribou, and they learn that way. And even modern modern trainers use the gang line when you're training re, uh, retrievers, pointers. You know even even shoots and dogs and and. Uh, law enforcement canines it's huge when we were law enforcement canine trainers we would stand back with our dogs on leash when we were teaching certain things and let them watch so it's amazing it's amazing I, phenomenon
3: i believe it i'm um, a visual learner so i get
2: it i i had never been with as many dogs out on track and tree as i did when i was out west and it was just like mind-blowing because in wisconsin you can only have six dogs maximum out on bear or wolf um not sure about coyote uh someone i'll have to look i know i'm a terrible person um raccoon there's no rule but it's hard if yeah if you need to get like four pups started and you also need like three good dogs for a race or whatever it is
1: and we'll pick up that conversation right after this word from our sponsor Dakota 283 offers you unparalleled protection for your hounds. We're talking about military-grade kennel crates. Uh, I got got one of these two-door kennel crates here at the house. It is super heavy-duty. It's got slap latches on it that are stainless steel easily fits in the back of an suv or if you're traveling with a camper shell it's a great way to keep your dog protected while you are traveling you just got to check out their dash series this is a watering system and i've used a lot of these portable waterers over the years but this system is all integrated into one unit and the way it's designed out of high impact plastic The water stays in the tank when you're not using it because you can put a plug in it. Check them out. Uh, The 3.5 is also compact enough that I can store it behind the seat of my pickup truck while I'm out hunting when it's super cold. I've had exterior tanks before, and as soon as I go to cold climates, then I've got to figure out how I'm going to get water to my hounds, and the dash takes care of that. So check out Dakota 283 at dakota283.com and at checkout enter the code hxp10 and get 10% off of your order this portion of the houseman xp podcast is brought to you by tier one custom calls when it's all on the line make the choice the pros do choose tier one
2: you can't do it in wisconsin like that's why like going out west was like really good (laughs) I tell you,
3: you can train more pups, can't you?
2: Yeah.
4: yeah I got a quick question. Has raccoon hunting always been historically done with one or two dogs? Like I always see one dog. Is that because the competition scene maybe has influenced that a little bit in the modern times or the, the, is it typically just a one dog game?
1: The competition coon Coonhoundlm world has has influenced that. but if you go back traditionally, I mean have you ever heard the Jerry Clower skit about Ye coon hunting? And, you know, it wasn't unusual for us to have 20 dogs under the tree. But Jump that,
2: in amongst them. That
1: <laughs> raccoon had, has
2: got to get some relief. Or are shooting did. up.
1: A, you're thinking, you're th- us. Put, put a muzzle on her. She's got the stories mixed up. Yeah. No. So, so Jerry, the old Jerry Clower thing was, you know, we, it wasn't unusual for us to have 20 dogs under that tree, but we had to give that raccoon a sporting chance. If if he wanted to jump out amongst those dogs and whip every one of those dogs, he had that option to do that. You know, so <laughs> it wasn't always it wasn't always uh, the one the one dog type thing. I when I'm training a hound for a competition, I single them out, single out a lot of hounds by themselves. I think it's important for their development so that they understand how to do that and and be able to do that all by themselves and that's what makes it incredibly hard to be a breeder of coon hounds and keep them all because i can't hunt like that uh, but and you uh, get
2: to know your dog just so yeah. much yep. deeper yeah yeah
1: for a, for a, your typical coon hunter i mean it's it's just so hard if you have like this last litter I had, I had seven. Can you imagine me keeping seven puppies and trying to hunt them all and really, truly evaluate each pup and figure out which one's going to be my, you know, next level cooner? It'd be tough. Wow. Yeah. But you're hunting it them one is. at a time.
4: Damn. Yeah. Yep. But yeah.
2: Seth, we, we definitely needed we could have used more dogs in those reeds. Oh <laughs> we,
4: man. We, we could have just, just used some of my in. dogs in those reeds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: totally. Yeah. And the kid hey, came out. <laughs> if we would have like kept your dogs and kept like um headlights on the, the road on the side of the ditches, like heck. Maybe something would have happened.
4: Dude, we needed Penny, not my greyhounds.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, yeah. that
3: said, Chris. Thinking about it, yes, I, I, I could totally because um, the dog that that you want to competition coon hunt, he'll stand out amongst them. I think, and, and it, that's that's what I see with like, like you said, I said, I will hunt twenty dogs when I need to or whatever. But the standouts, yeah. it don't matter if you if if you got three dogs or twenty dogs, they still stand out. And those yeah, but you, still ones have
2: that, to, but you still have to keep them all for a, a reasonable amount of time then, though.
3: Sure. Sure. You know, but the, I don't know which one's going to be the best one.
1: <laughs> you know, the the cool thing, going back to the episode we did with Heath Hyatt, and talking about the best hound, or the best dogs, and the way they breed dogs, and not outcross, or no, not inbreed or line breed, but they breed the best of the best. You know, I, mm-hmm. I thought about that. Every dog that's in that pedigree was proven out of its litter to be the best out of that litter, yep. and the rest of them are not bred. So, yeah. you know, there, there's
4: definitely something to that. Definitely something to that. I'm so glad you brought that episode up because I, I wanted to get to it, and I was looking for a good segue, so thanks. But I was when I was listening to that episode, I was kind of shocked at like how it doesn't seem obvious that it's best to best i don't know because like to me as strictly as a biologist and i came into hound hunting late and so my breeding philosophy i've never bred a litter so i'm learning as much as i'm commenting but seems like when who i bought my two running dogs from he's he, he'll lion breed occasionally but he's almost strictly best to best and so that's just kind of the first philosophy i grabbed onto but i mean pronto and calypso they have almost no line breeding in their pedigree at all and they're monstrous. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. killers. So, I mean, to me, I was like, I mean, it seems rather obvious that when you line breed for too long, you're going to start getting health issues and problems, but I guess it makes sense because you're keeping it insular, but yeah, I don't know. I just, so on
3: the line breeding, anything gets amplified. So if it's a problem, it gets amplified. If it's a good thing, it gets amplified. So that's, that's a chance you take. The thing is, is if, if, you get to the point where you figure out, hey, we're we're having health problems. We're having whatever. You gotta cut it and start over. And and that's where I think people screw up is like they don't go start over. And,
4: and you think kennel, that you wouldn't have get to kennel get to kennel blind? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, yeah. You don't think you would get to that start over point if you were out crossing best to best on every generation, or maybe you'd get to that start over point because maybe your genetic pool is so wide that you're having a hard time getting consistent traits. I, I don't know.
3: I, Here's the confusing thing. I know guys that would never breed tight, always bred best to the best. And I know guys that breed really tight and breed best to best. And both of them are successful.
4: Yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty of dogs.
3: Okay. So, really. yeah, t- 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 me-
1: I think there's a big thing too about being Americans. You know, when you think about the old country of Europe and those places, people came here to escape. You know, they had monarchs and, and things in Europe. And this is the land of the free, so we get to do what we want. So Freedom it, of choice. It really is. I mean, it's it's one of those deals, uh, and and you see this a lot in breeding when people ask questions and people put their opinions in there, and, and other people, Americans, some Americans, well, you guys will get that, but uh, <laughs> they <laughs> they 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 will. Uh, you know, they'll chime in and say, man, it's your dog. You do what you want. When when you see, you see people making posts about making a cross on social media and people will say, well, how's that going to better the breed? And somebody else will chime in and say, it's your dog. Do what you want. This is America. We're still free. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not trying to sidetrack on that, but but I think well, you, it's just a, a dichotomy of thinking between the European breeders and American breeders.
3: And you like, there's an old, there's an old houndsman. I I'd love to give him credit, but I, I can't say his name on here. But anyway, he always says, "You got to take a chance to have a chance." And so, that's the thing. Like, how's it going be to better? Well, it might not, but it might really Mm -hmm. better than breeding so like you can't be afraid to and that's why I like to hunt a lot of dogs is because I like to breed a lot of dogs like I can either get to the pinnacle in 30 years if I ever do or I can breed a lot of dogs not more than I can hunt properly but as many as I can and I can try to get there in five or six years and so But you got to take those chances to get to the pinnacle, and and every world champion I know, and obviously I'm in the rodeo world, um, I'm sure it's the same in the coon hunting world, whatever they 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 did something that nobody else did. Mm
1: -hmm. That's the key: is
3: doing something nobody else has done.
1: And you're talking about breeding bulls, you know, bucking. I'm talking about
3: breeding anything. Yeah, you 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 gotta you gotta try something. or can't be afraid to try something like, you know, it's, it's. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You're now your generation behind, but you can't, you can't just go, well, this has always worked and we've made mediocre dogs. So we're going to stick with this. Hey, Mm -hmm. try, try to escalate it. If it doesn't work, Hey, you always can go back to that real easily.
4: I think that's part of the fun of being a houndsman is like imagining these crosses. Like, exactly. I'll sit down with my friends and just do that all the time. And and another thing, too, and, and I'm dead serious, one of my favorite quotes of all of the time I've been immersed in Houndsman XP is, which of these pups is going to be the best? It's the one that's hunted the most. I love right. that quote. I my love my it. colleagues' quotes, quote, so much. That is such yes. a good quote. And I say that all the time now. And I do, I do credit you, Mike, if you're listening right now. <laughs> he will be. Yeah. yeah. That's oh, such a great quote. Gosh, that's such a good one. Because it's true. When you look at a it litter is. of runners, especially Greyhounds and Salukis, wow, they're all going to be fast. They're all going to be good. It's. Not I'll, I'll
1: tell you oh so, I will tell you what I think is that is more important than, what, than whether you're line breed or you make a complete outcross. Is being experienced enough to know what a good hound is and then being able to recognize because when you're a good enough houndsman and you've got that experience you recognize greatness and you can recognize that greatness at a very young age but at some point you look at that hound and you think this is what i'm looking for and i don't care if it's got 20 titles and and it's a national champion or whatever, but but it's a it's going to be a solid cross. You study the pedigrees, you know what's that the good hounds are behind that dog. And I'm I'm serious. I mean, you've got to to be. I think the biggest downfall, more a importantly, student. yeah, you you've got to be a student of the great breeders and look and pick their brains. I mean, if you're at a breed days or you're at Autumn Oaks or you're at any hound event. If you're not sitting down with those great breeders and picking their brains and trying to glean the knowledge from them, man, you are just losing so much rather than just thinking, "Well, I've got a female dog and he's got a male dog and we're going to make we're going to make a little puppy family." You know, that's oh, like, that, like that's the, a recipe uh, for Facebook, disaster.
2: Like the Facebook post, "Oh yeah, my my bitch is in heat. Does anyone have a male dog in Southwest, blah 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 state?" Yeah. Come on.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you can do that. I mean, if you live in a hotbed like I do, but if I don't know it, okay. So by the time my my female comes in heat, I should already know what exactly. genetics are going to line I'm up. Saying. Yeah, what genetics are going to line up, and who's got those those hounds that I'm interested in breeding to. Yep,
4: yeah. I should already have all those bases covered. So yeah, I agree. Yep, I agree. I like we already got Calypso's boyfriend lined up in two and a half years. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think we'll see. <laughs> yeah, so. for sure. Let me ask you something and I'm going to, I'll start with you, Chris. What do you think is like the number one trait that a new houndsman sees in a hound that isn't that good that they think is good? Like what's a common misconception that a young or new houndsman would say about, like, I'm going to ask a coon hound because that's your thing. That they were like, man, he's really good. And you would go, oh, that's really not a good thing. Well, what'd you think?
1: I think I think you have to boil it down to the seven stages of hunter development to answer that question. Um, And the seven stages of hunter development, and this is a International Hunter Education Association thing. And it'll, forgive me, but I need to lay it out a little bit. But the first stage is a shooting stage. You just like to shoot. You just like to burn up rounds. You just like to feel the recoil of the gun. And then you've got the killing stage. You want, to le- you, you, you want to shoot stuff. And then you've got the limiting out stage. And then you've got the trophy stage. Uh, maybe there's only five. And then you've got, ultimately ultimately, you get to the mentoring stage. So, where you want to teach other people. And you've already been through all those... Other stages, I left out a stage, and that's the method stage. You know, kind of like I hunt with a flintlock, which you and I can relate to, Seth. I I can hunt with a long, I'll hunt with a longbow. But you get past that, and and you finally get to that mentoring stage. With houndsmen, you know, I remember when I was a coon hunter, I was just happy to have a dog in the hunt. I didn't care what he did. I didn't care... You know, I didn't have any experience to know what a great helm was, so if I turned my dog loose and he went hunting, that was a good thing. That was exciting, and then if he went hunting and he opened on track, man, that's really cool. Now I'm 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 really getting into it, you know. So it's it, one of those things that that new houndsmen get into, and it's just a natural progression. Is they just want to be a part of the hunt. And we need to let them be a part of the hunt, and we need to mentor them in to showing them what a great dog is. You know, it goes back to the old adage, if you want a good job from, from people, then show them what a good job looks like. And I think that is one of the biggest things that uh, hinders newcomers, is they've never had a dog that did anything, and all of a sudden they've got a dog... That goes out there, he may be open on a deer, he may scorch a deer out of the country, he may fall off and tree a coon, but he doesn 't know what he's doing he's just got man, this is what i 'm looking for, you know, so that's what I'm thinking, or maybe the dog babbles, or maybe the dog you know maybe dog slick tree in. I remember the first time I had a dog that that treed, and I was just like i mean i i i don 't even know if my feet touched the ground when I was headed to the tree he was I remember treed, my
2: first my first yeah. like good tree by herself. Yeah. Yep.
1: So I think I think that's I think you go back to those stages of hunter development, and you can see that direct correlation to what we as houndsmen go through. It's
2: great. And answer. I don't I don't know if there's really any answer of saying like oh like I right now I think this trait is good, but in the long run, like five years later, you figure out it's not good. I've I don't know, like. <laughs> Like, like, oh, man, he slammed that tree really fast. Like, yeah, well... Does he have a know, coon in it? Exactly. Like, two yeah. years later, you're like, well, he was too quick to judge. He didn't check it. He didn't go circles around the tree and figure out that the coon left.
4: And that is why I write in my hound log. Because I always wait the final thoughts and ideas, and I always write that at the end of the season. Because... That has happened to me. Exact same thing. I was I wrote about the race the day of. I got outrun, and I had all these excuses. What I thought oh, happened. There oh, there Pro- you go. Pronto's out of shape. That rabbit was a badass. This and that, this and that. Well, I find out three and a half weeks later, Pronto broke two toes during that race. And I didn't know until I looked at his feet a week later, and he has toes that are this big around. And so, you know, four months later, I write in the final thoughts. I'm like, you know what? I was dumb to be running there. And what happened really was that poor dog was trying to run on two broken toes or, well, a dislocated toe and a broken toe. And so that's why he got outrun. You know what I mean? Like you, you were being way too hard on him inside. Of course, I I was never hard on him in person, but like inside, like emotionally, I'm like, oh, like, oh, I'm hard on myself. He's out of shape. I'm not roading him enough. I'm not getting him in shape, you know, and things happen. And so I guess where I'm trying to go with that is how tying into where Lauren was saying that, yeah, your, your view on things change. What I used to love in a dog, and I've only been doing this for four seasons, what I used to love in a greyhound when I first started, because to me, it was all about stacking them up, talk about that hunter development. Luckily, I I feel like I flew through a lot of those stages quickly because I had a lot of mentors that are 60 and older, and they're deep into the mentor stage. So they really taught me how to slow down and just appreciate the hound work because I just wanted to stack jackrabbits up, baby. You know what I mean? And I was at the cost of my dog's health without even knowing it. And so I've learned so much in such a short amount of time. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. What are you I'm writing your short- <laughs>
3: yeah. I, man, um, I think really like, and the, and the, the garments help us. So, but I remember back in the day when, when we didn't have them or whatever, like, don't be just so excited about that. Your dogs are opening. Like, try to figure out what they're doing like um are they really opening
2: on what they're supposed to
3: yeah or or are they actually trying to move the track or are they like barking on the same track over and over and over and over again you know i i remember back in the telemetry days i had a young dog and i thought man this dog is holy cow he was a, a young black and tan dog and uh and I was hunting coons at the time here in South Texas. And uh and this this young dog, he would he was getting the strikes, he was getting the and I was and I had you know pretty good coon dogs at the time. They weren't competition coon dogs, they were bear dogs, they were good coon dogs. But anyways, um until like one day I I went in there and, and this dog would get the strike and then he would and then he would pick it up, and it, man, he was picking up all these loses and just doing some great things. And I slipped in there one day, and and they didn't, which here is hard to do. I slipped in there, and I I saw him working. And what that dog was doing was these uh, older dogs that was with him would go in there and, and put his nose down and smell the track, and go to wiggling his tail. And this young dog would bark. Well, he barked before the old dog. So I thought, man, this guy, this dog's cold nose. He's he's picking up the pickups he all he was doing was just watching that old dog and he was barking on it so try to try to learn what body your dog actually doing and that's that's that was a big learning curve for me i was like holy cow i was bragging on this dog thought he was a cool <sighs> thing in the other, and he was a honestly he was a coal
1: and now a quick word from our sponsor Houndsman XP is very proud of our partnership with the organization, Freedom Hunters. Freedom Hunters is a nonprofit organization that takes America's veterans hunting from field to field, from the battlefield to a field near you, when you volunteer your time to take America's warriors hunting with you and your hounds. It's easy. Go to houndsmanxp.com, click on the partnership tab, and it will take you to Freedom Hunters. You can go direct to their website to make donations at freedomhunters.org. Support America's heroes. Let's pay it back. Visit Freedom freedomhunters at freedomhunters.org. Or go to houndsmanxp.com. And you can find them on our website from field to field.
4: You know, and that's <laughs> the thing. I hound hunting i've been hunting since i was you know knee high to a grasshopper and hound hunting has so much dense knowledge that needs to be learned in really a short amount of time if you want to get as high level as possible i don't even know how it's possible if you had to start on your own especially with scent hounds when i was hunting bears takes a while yeah man and when i was hunting bears I mean, we're driving down the road rigging and they just blow up. And I'm like, yes, let's go tree a bear. Yes. And he just keeps rolling. He's like, nah, it's deer. And I was like, how do you know? Like, how do you (laughs) know? Because they just blew up. And then he looked down. I looked down on the tracks. I like like three seconds down the road. There's elk tracks on the side of the road. And I was like, how do you know? Like, a young houndsman, I would have just sent them right then. You know what I mean? Because I, yep. I, yeah. It's, it's
2: like, don't check. You're just so excited. Like, yes. let's rock.
4: Well, they were just like, and, and then he's like, oh, yeah, Diaz, he barks all the time on an elk. I don't know why. He just rigs elk. And I was like, and that's the thing, learning your dogs and learning yourself. You know what I mean? You got to check <laughs> that excitement. When I first started jackrabbit hunting with my dogs, I'd go out with Justin, and he is super level. He's just totally chill. You remember him, Lauren? Oh, Yeah. And, I'm so worked up. I'm about to throw up. Like I'm like fighting back nausea. Cause the thing about jackrabbits, they just come out of the grass. It's like gambling at are, any you time.
2: Were like like a seven year old at Disneyland or Disney World. And he is like the old grandpa that's has been, you know, he's not old at all, but he's already know, ridden, been, he's been already ridden Space Mountain that.
4: several times.
2: Yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> Until we see a jackrabbit, and then he turns into a baboon held in by a <laughs> seatbelt. I'm telling you. He's a, but anyway. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess where I'm going with all this is that th- there is so much to learn in this life, in this lifestyle, in this method of hunting in a partnership with an animal that can't communicate with you in English, you know. So it, yeah, it, I, I just, I love that aspect of it, and with the scent hound hunting where it's all auditory, it's really incredible.
2: Funny
4: thing,
3: <laughs> talking. You were just talking about jackrabbits again, but um, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> that's, yeah, but the, the, that's what my that's what i start my puppies on really we've got oh yeah we've got jackrabbits all over here and yeah uh, i leave them loose and that's they they run jackrabbits all day as puppies
4: and and, how do you get them in shape (laughs) i
3: I guess
2: i guess mine got their start on cottontails here on the farm I, i mean except for piper she didn't grow up here um yeah starting on little vermin that's good, and Seth, you are darn lucky that greyhounds don't have a tendency to go backwards on a jackrabbit. <laughs>
1: y'all are y'all are hunting goals. a bunch of trashy hounds. That's all I got to say. When my dogs oh, when my you? dogs come out of the womb, they are straight coon dogs, and they never trash on anything, and never make an off bark on anything. Now, Mike Collie's plots those are the trashiest things I ever saw. <laughs>
2: I'm pretty sure you've got some of that blood there, Chris. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you better believe it.
2: Yeah. There's no such
4: thing as a trash race with a sighthound. If it the moves, they're going for it.
2: <laughs> the, whole thing. <laughs> the whole elk thing. Um, got some experience with that while I was in Colorado. And um, kind of got to learn uh, how my dogs acted or may have acted if they were on a bear track and then we think they kinda got turned around where maybe there's some hot elk scent or elk had been bedded down or something like that. Um definitely had some opportunity to work on, you know, breaking them off <laughs> rigging a uh, elk. Mule deer we didn't have an issue with. Um but yeah, I uh the whole elk thing I can um uh empathize with with uh Ryan. <laughs>
4: Well, it's so funny too because you go through all those stages all over again. Because I'm over a lot of it with the jackrabbits and stuff, but yet when I was bear hunting, I was like a little kid all over again. I just wanted to see a bear race so bad. Yeah, I would have just been happy to see dogs go. And I'm I'm glad Ryan's been doing it for decades because we, we even we his dogs rigged and he like stopped the truck after they had rigged a couple times, not a, not many, but a couple times, and we got out and looked around and we found a bear track. And I, my heart is. Hounding. You know what I mean? I'm like, yes, it's time. And the, he sent out his two best old dogs, and they didn't want to take the track. And he was like, it's old or something. And we put him away and kept driving. And, oh, you could have heard my heart hit the ground. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's part of it. It's well, part I, can,
1: of it. I can tell you that it's something about, especially when you're an eastern houndsman and you haul hounds out to the Rocky Mountains, I don't know what it is. I mean, seriously, I couldn't pour jazz on a deer and make her run it here in Indiana. She is she's not going to do it. Mongo is the same way. Different deer. I got him out there. Yeah. And yeah, totally, and yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, I think I'm I'm running a mountain line. I've got mountain line tracks. I'm I'm on a line track. I'm watching it. I'm watching. It. I'm watching. It. I get strike, and this good trailing job, and then all of a sudden the mountain line tracks start. Intermingling with moose tracks, and then the lion track peels off one way, and dog tracks and moose tracks keep going the other way, and and I've got an epic moose race going on. You know, oh yeah,
2: dangerous.
1: Yeah, so so I mean, it's it's just it's just something. But here, did you have a moose tag?
2: Yeah, sure. That's a different kind of deer. That is a different kind of deer.
1: But The the thing of it is, if you don't, it's like when I was hunting with Larry out there, I'd get a rig. None of his dogs would rig. And, of course, Larry knew it was trash. But I needed to stop. I needed to stop and get my dog off the rig and then let them go out there and see exactly what they were doing and then give them a correction for that and then put them back on the rig. And we did okay, that. Okay, hang I'm on. I, go ahead. Time out. Go ahead.
3: So, um, and I'm throwing you a, a lobby you one. Why did you not correct them on the
4: rig? That's, That's what I was going to say. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, because I still want them to not be afraid to bark on the rig. You know, I want them to strike the correct game on the rig, not keep their mouth shut on the rig. So so you
3: put them down, let them smell the track on the ground, and then correct them on the ground.
4: If yeah, they open so up,
3: on an elk so, track or whatever. Right. Okay, yep. So that the correction didn't come from the rig, it came from the ground.
1: Yep, it came from, Aren't... here we go. Okay, here we got an elk track, we got a mule deer, we got whatever it is, and bang, that's what the correction is for. That's not what we're looking for. Let's go back up on the rig. We'll go down the road. We'll do it again. And the next rig comes up. Boom, it's a bear track. And you get them on the track, and away Let's
3: they do. go.
4: Right. Yep. Very smart. Yep. Very yep. smart. You, you know, Brett, you rigging, highest.
3: pay attention to that. That's a good lesson right there.
4: Yep. That's a good way to cover a lot of ground. I would never even thought that was... It's amazing how a dog can smell a footprint the, the sense of olfac- the olfactory senses are incredible. I, I love it. I, it's I not, even, it's
1: a- not even the footprint, though.
0: It's, no. It's well, the,
1: it's the rafts of scent on the air currents. So they right. may they may be rigging a bear that is on an opposite opposite uh, slope across a valley. You know, but that's why I carry the dead downwind scent detector wind detector. Uh, it's a wind detector, the little squeeze bottle thing, the little puffy thing. That, and yep. I learned that Chopper trick. powder? Yep. I, I learned that trick from uh, Larry Anderson.
3: And, Seth, you can see, sometimes you can see the track in the road or whatever. The dogs I mean, can't track it. They rigged it, but they can't take that track.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. That's that's, crazy. That sense coming from somewhere else.
4: Yeah. You, you I did that I've whole episode seen about seen sci- or. You did that whole episode about scenting, Chris, and I was joking if we made an like analog episode of Sight, <laughs> but it's a very short episode. Dogs see? Dogs chase. Like, yeah. For me. Now, it was,
2: now, <laughs> now, what would you call it if you're like riding around on horseback, kind of rigging for a bear, <laughs> but you're not in a truck, and the dogs are just around you on the horses? You'd probably
4: call it a trash race.
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. Like... <laughs> like, are you still, like, rigging for your bear?
3: <laughs> no, they're just free casting. But then some of those dogs will pick it up off the wind. You know, you'll see you'll see them stop and pick their head up and, and, and start smelling the wind. And yep. uh, not all dogs will do it, but some dogs are, are really good at it, and they'll start smelling the wind. And when they smell that wind, it may be com- coming from, you know, up on top of a hill and that wind coming down or, or vice versa. And they'll they actually know that, hey, that scent is coming from over there. I need to go that way. And they'll just keep going and going and going until they
4: find it. And I think what's amazing is that it's the same breed or the same species. And yet one dog will be very good at finding, like you were saying, one dog's just good at winding that wind and others can't do it. We've had, we've had a, a dog, a Saluki literally run over a jackrabbit, like step over its body. And it didn't even know it was there. And yet I have one of my dogs, only one, and she can sniff a jackrabbit up like a bird dog, calypso. And I'm like, how come she can do that and nobody else can? You know what I mean?
2: Dogs that can win and those dogs that get those layup coon, those are your special ones. Those those are what help you really get the job done.
4: Yeah. And she's always been like that. That's what I always thought was it's, you can't teach that. They just got to learn it on their own, I guess. But I I just think it's incredible the diversity even within individual litters because Pronto he can sniff one, but not even close to like Clipso. She's so much better at it. So anyway, when I, just thought- when
1: I was um, and there's been several dogs, but I, I've had I've had a few dogs that were really good about sending on air current, you know, and. When I would go to a competition coon hunt, it's like okay we're gonna we're gonna walk down this the guide is always like we're gonna walk down this lane and we're gonna turn loose in this particular spot and you may may walk fifty yards. you may walk two hundred yards before you cut the dogs loose so as i'm I'm got the dog on leash and I'm walking him down through there I'm watching that dog, and I've had several. That will start throwing that head up and start winding. And I'll take note of which way the wind's coming. And we'll walk down through there. It's like, yeah, boys, keep on walking because none of your mm-hmm. dogs even smell that coon off to the west right here. And we'll go in there and bang, you cut them loose. And before you know it, that dog is circled back around you behind the rest of the cast. And boom, he jams a coon right there where he was winning it. And that, that is, that is, uh, a common trait. Why don't they all do it? And not to be, and I'm going to get this word word right here, Seth, anthropomorphic about the whole thing, you know, tying this to human traits, but there's certain things that, you know, all three of my kids came out of this same genetic pool and each one of them is good at something different. And yeah. it's, it's, I hate to put it back on human traits or compare it to that, but that's I mean, it's genetics. Genetic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's genetic, you know. Yeah. And and I think if we could ever figure all that out, you know, yeah. the the mysteries would be over for us and what fun would that be?
4: It's the only class in college I got a D in.
3: <laughs> See okay, so I'm gonna throw a kink in this conversation because I agree and disagree. Um so I know like in the bucking bull world, there was there was Several famous bucking bulls. They've all been... Um, cloned. Mm-hmm. None. None of the babies made it. Like, they, they were decent. They didn't
4: well, didn't Secretariat like... not throw any champions too, right?
3: Yeah, and, 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 but, but the actual... Which, right. Secretariat didn't throw any champions, so he wasn't a reproducer. But as far as DNA, like, the exact same DNA of these spectacular athletes did not make it. And so I think
4: literally cloned,
3: literally cloned. Yeah. Like there was, there was three or four of the most famous bulls in the world cloned. None of them. They, they were decent at best. So I think like, I think it's The, the
1: offspring were decent at best.
3: Well, they weren't the offspring. They were, they were the same
4: one. They were the same of. one. Okay, I what a too. great yeah. study! You know what I mean? Nature, so, like, nurture,
3: DNA-wise, yeah. they are the exact same bull as that one, right? <laughs> DNA-wise, yeah. like scientifically, they are, they are the same animal as that animal, and they and they were not as good, not even near as good as the as the
2: well, yeah, so the it's like original DNA that-
3: donor. So what I one think
2: opportunity are we giving these dogs or these bulls that just flip it and like somehow change the game? i been thinking about it. But...
1: I'm sitting here watching Seth. I, I want to know what's inside. I'm putting my cursor over your head, Seth, and I'm sitting here circling your head. I want to know what's in there right now.
4: Okay. I was driving around in my work truck Two days ago, and I was listening I was thinking a lot about the episode with Heath, and you guys were talking about the breeding, and Shorty just zoom. He just went into my brain and came back out because what an amazing experiment in nature versus nurture, right? Because those bulls right. are clones. They're literally clones. So right. was their upbringing, was the nurture aspect of their life different yep. that made them a different animal altogether? You could clone the best competition coonhound. And have Lauren raise it, Chris raise it, Shorty raise it, and I bet they'd be way different. And not because too. of any, just because of the way they were raised. And yeah. what if you raised them in some kind of sensory deprivation chamber where they had oh, no, geez. no. Listen, like what if they this had is a, no? This, no listen, he's gonna just geek no, out on. Go for it. You have no. They have no stimuli, even if they were raised in pet homes. Okay. Which is essentially a sensory deprivation tank. So but no, no, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I have three pets. Okay. So anyway, um, and would they turn out radically different from each other? Like, where is the like spirit? You know what I mean? Like wh- how much of the like spirit I'm saying air quotes here is just the wildly different aspects of Nate of nurture because they're clones. So you're using that as a control. I don't know. I was geeking out about that in my truck a bunch. I would love to do that. And I didn't know that's been done. That's why I just went wild. Cause that's badass
3: <laughs> so well, i think it's i think it's exactly what you're saying in nurture like those those animals that were great like they had an experience just like you're saying chris like this dog could win stuff this dog couldn't out of the same litter like that dog had something happen in his life and we don't we can't talk to him so we don't know had something happen in his life where it went like oh if i can If I can stick my nose up in the air and smell, I can figure out where it's at. And, and, and we just don't know what those,
4: what those experiences were. And
1: somebody had the guts to cut him loose to see
4: what he could do. Exactly. You know, that's what circumstances aligned in his favor. Maybe that taught him a valuable lesson early on. Yeah, exactly. It's a
3: learn. I think that those, those traits are learned as well as like, it is a lot DNA got to have great DNA but then some of that stuff is learned.
1: He had early reinforced success is mm-hmm. what happened in that situation for the wending yep. dog, you know, it was a yep. positive reinforcement situation. So right. another hound may have been doing that, that I did not see. I didn't see him mm-hmm. doing that. And I just kept walking them. And then when they right. circle around behind me, I was really thinking about that's not the way I wanted you to go. So now I'm going to give you a stimulation or I'm going to cut you off and I'm going to send you back in this direction. So now we have just suppressed that natural ability
4: for that hound.
3: Which brings up a great topic.
4: So do do you think that that bull, the original bull, Mm-hmm. may have had life experience this is all hypothesis mm-hmm. if there's any kind of taurine ethologists out there that want to make Are their master's degree going. on this thesis go for it because i want to know <laughs> what if what if that bull had some kind of life experience that just made him more irascible that made him buff buck harder and all his yep. offspring were expected to be badass buckers and they were not because they lived a better life because they were taken care i don't know i don't <laughs> know. That's. That's the thing. I, I'm I think trying that's to get
3: absolutely at. right, and I think, and, and it may have been an accident like that bull. That they're contrary to popular belief, they they learn just like we do, and that bull may have bucked and slipped one time, and and or had a stumble or something, and it got the guy bucked off. That bull learned something at that instant that he carried with him, and he did every time after that, and that's why nobody could ride him, and and I. I do. I think that's why he was great, and none of his offspring were.
1: So how do we how how do we tie this back over to listen hounds. to your hounds? Yeah, hounds. Listen
3: to your hounds. Follow. It. Like, like if that dog sticks his nose in the air and wants to go over there, go over there. What the <laughs> hell's it gonna hurt you? I
2: just got that song in my head. Listen nope. to your heart when it's calling for you, but it's listen. For your hounds.
4: Right. <laughs> we need to make a fan remix, a YouTube fan <laughs> remix of that song with hounds overlaid. Listen to your hounds. Go, hounds, <laughs> <fans>, go. <laughs> well, I think a lot of
1: it is just the human nature to try to uh, conform things to be the way we want it, the way exactly. it should be.
3: And you kind of described it in your your theoretical uh hunt where i want i want you to go this way or whatever like just when you're going and those hounds want you to go this way just go that way like you don't you don't have to go okay i've planned this whole hunt we're going to go down here we're going to take a right we're going to go over here we can go that way and those dogs want to go this way and you're like no nope, nope we're going this way don't like you just screwed your hounds up like if you listened to them you might have caught something whatever i don't know yeah, but yeah. It, and it's easy yeah. to do i've done it
1: Thousands I have of to. times,
3: Gosh, and it—it's just would it, it's We're like. Yeah, amount
2: yeah, of times I yell, I'm like, "Hey, hey, hey, over here! Come mm-hmm. on, let's go!" You yep.
1: know. Yeah, yep. most of the time it's because I don't want to go that way. Yeah, right. you know that's what it really oh, boils down it. to. Is <laughs> I exactly don't want to go over there. I want to because it's easier to walk here. It's downhill <laughs> this yep. way. I've you yep. have to be a sidehound down... hunter,
4: Chris. Yeah, it's all easy walking where I hunt. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Speaking of easy walking, when I listened to your episodes, Shorty, and I was like, yeah, you brush country. I work in a lot of like heavy brush too. Dude, not even in your league, not even close. And I work with lots of mesquite and cactus, and I'm I'm always like, yeah, yeah, I could run through there. You have a place that's literally called the Brush Country Museum. I googled where you're from,
0: <laughs> and I yeah, was it's, like,
4: it's insane. Oh my god. Spinner. I would yes. love to. I'd love to come and experience that. <laughs> you either got to be,
3: you got to be either dumb or tough or both to, to hunt down here.
4: Lauren can decide which of those I am. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, well, and I'd like to compare it to like the crappy, terrible brush that we were in, and you were in even worse stuff when I just stood in the river and waited for you guys.
4: Right. Doesn't mean think <laughs> that. But what the thing is that it was where we were, Lauren is. It looks again. I'm only judging off Google Image and what I experienced a little bit coming into like Wichita Falls and stuff. But like that thickness also has tons of spikes. We're that's that. what I'm we were, That's
3: that's the difference because yeah. there's like the coastal the coastal brush, and and you get to the like uh, Louisiana Mississippi that logging country where they got those cutovers and stuff. Like all that brush is ever bit as thick as this, but ours just has thorns.
4: And we That's have mesquite, tons of it, but man, it just yeah. does not grow like that. That's like a that is like a well, rainforest
3: of have mesquite. mesquite. We have mesquite, <laughs> and then a bunch of other stuff that grows underneath it that all has yes. understand.
2: What do you wear?
3: Uh, just you know, like Wrangler pants and Wrangler denim shirt. Uh, the thicker it is, the better.
4: Do yeah. you wear gaiters on your uh, feet?
3: Uh, I yeah, I'm scared of snakes, so I don't yeah. ever leave my truck without snake boots on i've seen you leave
1: a truck without snake boots on
3: and i will tell you this so imagine you guys know what a horse is and and how high it is but uh my father-in-law was actually working cattle with a neighbor of ours the other day and and we've had a lot of rain here so the grass is tall they couldn't see it they they heard one rattlesnake rattle and then they kept they went around it and rode up there and another rattlesnake actually hit and we ride with uh, with uh, tapaderos, which are like a leather covering over your stirrup to keep keep from that brush poking in through your boots and stuff like that. Actually, hit the tapaderos on his stirrup. Whoa! And they never saw it, but he he felt it and heard it hit.
4: Wow! And, really right and yeah. I, I wear snake boots when I go into the real thick places. I'll send you a picture, Shorty, of the thickest places we have. They're very small, though. It's not like landscape level that right. you're in. But right. yeah, the snake population—I can't even imagine. I mean, that is rattlesnake paradise. Yeah, where you I know.
2: Is. I'm it not is. coming to visit whenever there's snakes. Just
4: come so. when
3: it's cold.
2: Yep.
3: Uh, how, yeah. how
4: small is your snakeless season, Shorty? Seriously, I mean, you're still way lower in elevation and latitude yeah. than me. We're the
3: snakeless. Well, it, it varies, but it it would be probably de- December through March.
2: So come when Texas. Come when Texas freezes over like last year when it was negative five and we'll be good. You should have seen these
3: people. They were freaking out. I had no idea what to do.
4: Yeah, ours is consistently November to March. That that's right. very consistent where we don't got any rattlesnakes out, which is great. I yeah. I hate them. Ugh.
3: Well, you in know? December we can be we can be hot. It it really in all reality is probably, probably closer to January, February. Like we can it, it, it can get hot down here fast. Yeah. 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 If you would say two months out of the year, those would be the only two that you'd not expect to see a snake.
4: Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. Lauren, no go on the rattlesnakes. And yeah. where we were, you wouldn't have I paid see, me enough to go in there with in no, the summertime.
2: You know, like when Brett Vaughn posts his posts his rattlesnake videos and stuff, I'm like, that is that is like the one nope. That is like the nopes of all nopes for me. And snakes are fine. I don't care about snakes. Like I have picked just snakes up since three. I was a kid.
4: Since
2: I you'll a be kid.
3: surprised when the dogs are barking treat. <laughs> you'll you'll put those boots on and go. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> well, like if you came down yeah, you wouldn't I'll, even yeah, think about a snake. No, that's what like, I'm saying, because go, I'll
2: forget. I'll forget. The the walk out the
3: sucks because you're like, oh I'm gonna <laughs> step on a snake. Yeah.
1: But if you get ready to go down there, I got a set of snake taps for you, Lauren
3: there you
1: go yeah they all go right. up, yeah they they're all the total leg covering so
2: that's what i need yep,
1: yep. Exactly that's what, what we all need
2: i could have I used just some actual them hot.
1: they are hot they're some, bulky
2: some actual chaps in colorado would have been really nice to have i ended up ripping a pair of jeans on the last day um but the the, the, the the brush that the horses would take you through and like hitting the sides of pine trees and Aspen trees. And you know, <laughs> it, it may have helped avoid some bruises and gouges and who knows what else. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well guys, I think we've, uh, we've circled the tree a few times and we've, we've looked at it and we missing anything. I think that's a good conversation we had about breeding and genetics and cloning and, you know, um uh, expectations from pups and i think i think it still comes back to uh you know just just uh paying attention to your house and and trying the
4: one to, that hunts the most yep the one that <laughs> Bingo. Which,
1: which dog's gonna be the best one the one you hunt the most yep okay you take somebody like calvin redhouse you know and i've said this before calvin doesn't shop for the highest bred dogs he just hunts the hair off of them And it's, and, and he catches a lot of stuff. Yep.
2: Yep. And I, I, I saw the same thing when I was out in Colorado, you know, those dogs get put through the paces, you know, my dog's hunting nine days straight. I I, I came out of it. I'm like, I feel like any dog you put out here, you're going to know right away. Well, not right away, but sooner rather than later, if that's going to be a good dog or a bad dog, and you're going to turn a good dog into a great dog, like, that hunting seven days a week for two months straight but every dog every
1: dog has its limits though
2: oh yeah yeah. you know mine needed a break after nine days and piper ended up losing a lot of weight Um,
3: they'll work through it yep Yep. (laughs) (laughs) they will if you keep hunting them honestly like you'll you'll be shocked like you'll think man my dog's shot his feet shot he's as long as you don't have torn pads like you'll just be like oh yeah they they if you just keep hunting them they'll get stronger
2: their, their bodies held up great like absolutely great like nothing wrong with their feet bodies you know i just could tell they were a little bit tired to get in the dog box at two o'clock just, in the morning
3: just because they would never been exposed to it but like once they right. figure out like this is gonna be every day yeah they're they're tough they're oh, they're yeah. way tougher than we give them credit for all of them
2: yeah sidehound
4: hunters shake your head at that <laughs> that is not you cannot do that with greyhounds you will kill them dead you got to give them a four-day break after a rock hard rabbits like that it's a, just a different game it's just an entirely okay. different stress Str- oh yeah after i mean lauren you remember after that hard race we had with pranjo remember that i mean you need to give them a break
2: You yeah, need to give them I a mean, serious break like like our our coonhounds are all like like uh what are they called it's not even a like a well, you're, they do, like, 100K, like, more than a marathon. Like, the ultras, like, mm. our coon Hounds are, like, ultra athletes. And greyhounds are just, like, Olympic distance, 100-meter athletes.
4: Yeah. It's just a whole different stress on that body. Sure, sure. You know, and that's the thing. Like, give them, a, give them a good two days after a hard day of hunting because they need it bad. Right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, guys. take us home chris any any final thoughts anything we didn't cover
2: um uh stuff is ramping up you can tell online um guys i'm posting a lot of stuff in um our group so take a look there you know in regards to mountain lions and the wolf situation not just in wisconsin there's stuff happening in michigan um all over the place so just keep an eye on it um i've got a link out there uh to email Wisconsin your Wisconsin legislators there's kind of two things going on they're trying to like end the federal delisting and then they're also trying to get the law in Wisconsin rechanged so that a hunt is not mandatory for the wolves um so there I think that that uh the anti-hunting zealots are ramping up again and I can definitely tell based on the post so Stay tuned, stay alert, stay involved.
1: You know, my thing, my thing is, I'll start taking them serious when they're calling for the Rocky Mountain or the elk to be reestablished to its to, uh, traditional range, the black bear to be restored to its traditional range. You know, when they start putting that kind of money behind behind those species, then then uh, right, then
2: they I don't can... put any money no. towards no. conservation.
4: No. No. We if- do. No. Hunters. <laughs> yeah. One
2: one point six billion dollars a year. Hunters yep. and shooters contribute. So You sure um, it's only
1: one point six? That sound that number sounds a little bit
3: low to me. That sounds really low. Yeah. Billion? But, yeah, billion. Yeah, with a because B. I think the state of Texas well, I shouldn't say toward conservation, but the state of Texas hunters. Bring in like 2.1 billion a year just in the state of Texas, but it that, that's going to be shopping, whatever. So, yeah,
4: Pittman Robertson stuff. Yeah, I was gonna little say, little Lauren, low. that number you threw out just sounds like my brother's ammo bill.
2: And <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Where he
3: live?
0: But you're saying <laughs> right so. What you're, say, what
1: you're saying, Lauren, is 1.6 billion going back into conservation, correct? Right. Okay, so that that accounts for the PR funds that get skimmed off of ammunition and, and hunting equipment. Right. I'm with, I'm with you. Right. I'm with yeah. you. We need to get that number nailed down so we can talk, talk on that point for yeah, sure. Yeah,
2: And now it's permanent. It's going to be on the air. So come at me, bro. Just come at me. <laughs> oh, it's
3: all good.
1: Hey, if somebody else has no, it, not, help not us you
2: out. guys. I'm just saying, yeah, like, no, whatever. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, hopefully wait, somebody wait. will have the real number, like honestly, and maybe that's it. Maybe you're, maybe you're right, but, yeah. Somebody, uh, if you're going to come at her, you better have the real number.
1: Yeah. You
4: better be ready too. You'll bring Dang it. No <laughs> yeah. kidding.
1: No kidding. No, Lauren, you've been doing a great job on keeping everybody up to date. Sure. Keeping the keeping the, uh, the group group pages up to date on that stuff.
2: Yep.
4: Yeah, thank you. And bless yep. you. I'm muted. I'm muted. It was loud. <laughs> Seth, you got anything, man? yeah i do um to our patrons guys stay tuned i'm going to be hunting next week with john rutter so i'm going to bring some footage for that i want to try to get as much of that documented as i can um i have if you've been staying on with the patreon page guys to our patrons thanks and you saw i have two uh, videos i posted i'm going to continue with those two things as well so um hopefully i have some more sweet content in the pipelines more tailgate talks getting scheduled coming up looking at you lauren <laughs> and uh All of you guys. I'm looking at all of you guys as well. And uh, also, um, we got our drawings coming up. Uh, Excuse me. We got our Crowdcast coming up and our drawings coming up. Our Crowdcast, I just want to say it now, it's public. It's going to be one day after this episode airs on the 14th, September 14th. Um, It's public. So everyone join. It's all on the Facebook live group. I'm sorry. It's all on the Facebook group, the Houndsman XP group.
2: And and it's on our Instagram page. There's a link in our bio that can take you to like a ton of other stuff, like our webpage to buy hats, to um, sign up for our crowdcast event, um, all that stuff. So, yep. So, there's, uh,
4: uh, no stay tuned excuse. For that. We're going like to be like talking about dog nutrition. and Who doesn't want to up the performance of their hounds? Yeah. And I, I so, wanna,
1: yeah, I want to talk about that just a little bit, Seth, if you don't mind. Uh, please. So, so. I'm I'm really excited to have this sort of material that we're getting out there for the hound hunters. You know, too often uh we try to get our dog food advice from social media, you know, and and that's not always the best place. So the guest we're gonna have on is gonna be able to talk about the different ingredients, what those ingredients actually mean. Like if you see uh chicken bone meal. What is, what is that exactly? You know, because believe it or not, uh, dog food is more highly regulated by the FDA than people food is. That doesn't seem possible, but it's true. So you've got, you've got the regulations that surround the, that they have to list those ingredients, but we have to know where those ingredients come from. If we are going to maximize the nutrition, when you look at Protein versus fat. Where does your fat come from? Where does your protein come from? How does that all interact with the ingredient they're using for carbohydrate? And is that actually metabolizing properly in your dog to give it the maximum performance? And this guest is going to be able to uh, talk to all those points, and I think it's going to be great. And we really need you to get signed up today. Today, we need you to get signed up. So yeah, Seth, I appreciate you uh, bringing that up and showcasing that. And we're going to continue to bring guests on just like that for Crowdcast, and uh, can't wait for it, Shorty.
3: It, and I, I, I don't think we've explained well enough what Crowdcast, Crowdcast is I, for our listeners. Uh, hey, this is a really, really cool platform. Like you can actually type in questions to ask us or the guest. we can bring you on you can you can visually see and and talk and and ask questions but the cool thing is as it's happening you can ask your own questions not just questions that we have if you have a we don't have type it in there we'll answer it i think it's one of the coolest things going uh it's it's something that if you own dogs uh and and i'm i've I geek out on the nutrition deal, so I'm super excited about it because uh, I, I pay real close attention. I'm going to have a ton of questions, and and I know you will too. So this is the place to ask them.
1: Yep, yep, for sure. And it's super easy. Seth's got it set up on the group pages. Uh, all you got to do is hit that link, go in there and register for the event, and when the event kicks off, you'll be notified, and you just activate, and bang, you're on a live it's like a live video conference on your uh, desktop your your or your mobile device. So
4: it's super easy. And you don't have to be on your webcam. You can just watch us if you want. So if you're like, oh, yep. I don't want to. Be- yep. I just want to make that clear. You can just watch it like if you're an audience member.
2: It's free and not just this one is not just for our Patreon members. It's for everybody. That's right. Everybody. That's, that's
4: right. That's right. <laughs>
1: All right, guys. Anything else? We missing anything else? We wrapped it up. Thanks All right, back. man. Good deal. Yeah. Well, hey. Till next time, folks. You follow your hounds, and I will follow mine.